0: Welcome to the Coaches Plan podcast, Plan the Coach with Coach New Brunswick, a podcast for coaches, by coaches, brought to you in part by the National Coaching Certification Program and the Coaching Association of Canada. And I did the intro on the first try. <laughs> Amazing. I'm your host, Ashley Milani, Manager of Coaching Education with Coach New Brunswick, and today we're joined by a special guest, David Thibodeau. Uh, we're lucky to have David here talking to us today about a... Uh, uh, about his experience in the sport and a, a resource guide he has developed in order to make sport more inclusive, um, or to help coaches make sport more inclusive. Uh, David was one of our past summer students from 2017, and uh, as I just learned, we uh, his experience with Coach New Brunswick inspired him to become a larger part of the sporting community and the sport builders community in Canada, and I am really pumped to talk <laughs> to him today about uh, the great work he's been doing over the last year or so. So welcome, David. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing? Good,
1: good. good.
0: <laughs> Great. Um, do you want to maybe introduce yourself a little bit more in terms of like, what's your background, where you are right now? I know, I'm sure people can tell by the auto, audio quality. I'm not in my nice, fancy studio. Um, I've got my little headphones plugged into the side of my laptop <laughs> and we're, we're rocking and rolling.
1: Yeah, sure. So um I am a competitive swim coach. Um, I'm from Fredericton, New Brunswick, originally, but I moved to Ottawa to do uh, to pursue my master's degree. Um, so that's why we're over the phone. Um, yep. Um, so yeah, so I'm still coaching. Um, I've been I was being a competitive swimmer for you know ten plus years. Um, and,
0: uh, and 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 uh, you had a lovely experience with us two summers ago. Yes,
1: yes. My twenty seventeen coach New Brunswick internship was an awesome experience. So, any young highlight coaches, highlight of your career, yeah, highlight of my <laughs> early career. Yes,
0: excellent. I, I am really pumped to hear about that. Even if I am like just kind of trying to squeeze you for some yeah. for some uh, coach New Brunswick love. Yeah, take, take it of course. Away <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, thanks for talking to us today. Uh, We've been working over the last last I don't know six to eight months or so, I'd mm-hmm. say, um, working to develop a a guide for uh, for athletes and for coaches and for program organizers to help make their sport more inclusive towards LGBTQI2S athletes. Um, and I think we're gonna we're gonna chat a little bit today about uh, what your experience is like, been as a as a gay athlete and now as a gay coach and um, what coming from your perspective, what you think can be done in the sporting world in New Brunswick and in Canada to help other athletes and coaches go through their experience in sport. I think that sentence made sense. (laughs)
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, in terms of, uh, I guess I'll start talking about my experience as a gay athlete, because that's what, that's what came first. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) um, So when I was swimming, um, I, Swimming really, for me, was a place... Because when you're in the water, yes, you're with other people, but there's a lot of alone time because your face is in the water and you can't really talk to people.
0: Yeah, no, um, I I was going to yeah. say, I uh, I was a competitive swimmer as well for, for 11 years. I, I know that feeling of staring yeah. at pool tiles for two hours, yeah. three hours, every single night.
1: <laughs> but it's a, it's a really great time to think. Yes, <laughs> um, totally. So it really gave me a time to... Um, think about what was happening, um, wh- like wh- how I was feeling, what was going on, um, a really time to check in with myself, um, which was great. Um, and I really, and I really, really love swimming. Um, but outside of the pool and like in the change room or on the deck, um, especially in the change rooms, um, I would say there's still a huge Locker room talk culture,
0: right? Especially
1: in the male's change room. Yes. Um. So it's not necessarily that my co like my my swim my like my teammates were doing it on purpose, but that is just something that that everybody kind of did. They just talked about, you know, yeah. girls. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really feel like I fit in. So I wasn't. I didn't come out when I was swimming at first. Um, I didn't actually come out until um, university. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: sort of how it happened was,
0: and were you still uh, swimming into university, or were, had you started coaching? Yeah, by Yeah. So
1: I, 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 started swimming and coaching. Um, okay. I was just I was coaching like the very little kids when I when I first started. Right. Um, so when I started when I when I went into the university, I was still in the closet. Um, wasn't really talking about it. Um, and it wasn't really until third year when I really decided that I couldn't be a swimmer and be gay. So I actually quit in my third year of university because I, I didn't think that I could be both of those things. It didn't, like it, So this was 2015 and these, these, like this conversation of gay athletes and LGBTQIA2S people in sports wasn't really being had yet. Like, so you can play an organization was founded in 2012, um, the one team, uh, Canadian Olympic committee initiative was founded in 2014. So these were all really new conversations that were being had. And I didn't really have any, uh, like examples or role models that could, uh, that I could really look up to and see, oh yes, this is, you know, that, that person's like me. Right. Right. Um, so unfortunately I did feel like I, I had to quit. <laughs> um, but then after about a year, I did about a year, year and a half. I did realize that I wasn't alone, and I was not the only gay athlete. So when I moved to Ottawa, I was able to start swimming again because I still had some eligibility left for with mm-hmm. Um So I was able to, you know, come back to swimming because I really like. I do really love it, and I kept coaching the whole time. Um, but I don't think that. I don't think people should, you know, quit sports because they don't feel like they belong because they don't feel like they shouldn't be there
0: of course <laughs> like i i like uh, to me this is like the most heartbreaking thing to hear that someone could feel like they can't like because because sure you're, you're a gay man but also you are a swimmer and yeah. like i like i like i know what it's like to be a swimmer it's a huge huge part of your identity and yeah it's when I stopped swimming. it I, like, I had a major identity crisis, and I mm-hmm. kind of I transitioned to, to another sport. But it really was like I I swam for eleven years, and if I wasn't a swimmer, really, who was I? And yeah. so that's it's it's heartbreaking for me to hear that you would have these kind of two identities in your head, thinking, oh, they like yeah. I can't be both. I have to pick. That uh, would be a, an incredibly disassociating experience. I'm yeah, yeah. I'm really sorry you experienced that. But uh-huh. at the same time, um awesome that that these conversations were starting to be had and that you felt like you could get back into it um I know that most most swimmers get out of swimming because they feel burnt out and they're just Mm -hmm. they're done with the training um which in some ways I feel like is the way to exit that sport. there shouldn't be any other reason for you to leave the sport other than just my body is just too tired to do this I need to go figure out something else in my life but yeah not not for that reason
1: no um So that was sort of my experience as an athlete. Um, So, Mm -hmm. but hopefully, you know, as, as we keep moving, like it's 2019 now. So this was a few years ago. So hopefully, you know, in the last four years, there's been enough discussion had that athletes don't necessarily feel that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But so sort of like rolling over into coaching now, um, there are, there aren't that many out coaches. Like there's still not that many um, LGBTQI2S coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I, so yeah, so I started coaching in 2011. Um, mm-hmm. And I first started out coaching with the um, pre competitive, so like five, six, seven, eight, nine year olds. Um, but now the last couple of years, I've been doing the 9, 10, 11, 12 year olds, which is a really great. Like, I mean, they're all a lot of fun, but I really like these a little bit older kids. They're so much mm-hmm. fun. Um, so energetic. push them
0: a little bit harder. And yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and it's a little more swimming rather than just like learn how to swim. Right. right? right. Um, so, yeah. So as an out coach, there, um, my observations are that there aren't very many out coaches so I think we have really done a lot of work um, promoting LGBTQ athletes, but mm-hmm. then there isn't hasn't necessarily broken that barrier into keeping them on in sport and keep it, like get to get them coaching,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: Um, so one of the I don't want to say problems, but one of the um, uh, experiences that I've had as a LGBT, as a gay coach um, is that. You, I don't know if I'm allowed to tell my kids if I have a boyfriend. Um, right. So, right. Often, uh, you know, you know, my kids are just start like finishing um, grade five, starting to go into grade six. So middle school, right. When everybody's, you know, starting to, you know, get their first boyfriend, girlfriend on the playground. Um, so they're, they're always asking me and other coaches, oh, do you have a girlfriend? Or do you have a boyfriend to the to the girls? so they're they're obviously thinking about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're thinking about relationships, they're thinking about you know dating. but can I, as a coach, say, "Oh no, I don't have a girlfriend, but I have a boyfriend. Um, the reason why I'm hesitant about doing that is because um, a while ago... I saw a tweet that said, um, it was just after the Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade in the, in the States. Mm -hmm. And there was a shot on some, um, it was like, there was some shot of two females kissing on one of the networks and someone tweeted, um, we tuned into you because it's supposed to be family friendly, um like not, not this, like this is not family friendly. Oh my God. What, what about that is not family friendly? Like what about me is not family friendly? If I have, if I have (sighs) one day when I have kids, it's not like I'm going to be able to hide the fact that their parents are, their their parents are gay. And nor should you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I like, I'm, I'm really hesitant to tell my kids, like my swim kids that, I have a boy, if I have a boyfriend, because I don't know how their parents would react. And I don't want our team to, to lose out on, you know, potentially really good swimmers because their parents are uncomfortable with having a gay coach.
0: Right. Yeah, it's a tough one. I, um, I mean, my first kind of thoughts on that would be like, sometimes, sometimes things have to get a little bit messy before they can get better. You know, like, so I, you can't really control how other people are going to react to these situations. And honestly, yeah, there may be times where, where, um, people are themselves in, in whatever form they are and that's uncomfortable for other people. Mm -hmm. And that causes them to not want to associate themselves with them or an organization. And I think at the end of the day, people kind of just have to stick to their values and guns and, Mm -hmm. and, um, otherwise otherwise i think the problem will continue and and yeah. and propagate and you, you, there won't be change um and it's obviously a people have to be really brave and people have to be very firm and sure of what they're um what they're trying to do and what they're trying to get after but um yeah definitely. yeah you you, you don't want to uh. you don't ever want to like as a coach you don't ever want to impact your athletes lives in no. a negative way and you definitely don't want to be the reason they leave sport whether it's like through bad coaching or mm-hmm. through, through any reason. Um, yeah. but I think
1: really a stupid reason like that, like, I'm sorry, especially, that's a, it's that's...
0: extremely, yeah, I agree. <laughs> extremely dumb reason, um, for someone to be leaving sport, uh, or leaving any kind of activity that they love to do. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, people need to learn how to interact with each other and, yeah. and get better at <laughs> accepting
1: mm-hmm.
0: everything in this world. Um, Yeah, I. It is. It's definitely. It's definitely a tough situation. Yeah. Um, sorry, I interrupted. Continue.
1: Um, I guess like something else that, um, I guess, as a gay coach, um, something else that you're really aware. So swimming is a very technical sport, and Mm -hmm. um. You know, usually sometimes you have to pull kids out of the water and, you know, physically move their arm or their legs to make sure right. that, you know, to get them th- th- to see if they're doing the movement correctly to help them like physically understand how to do it. Yep. Um, as a gay coach, and I've um, heard this from other, from like the few, uh, from a few other gay coaches that, you know, the very few that there are, um, that every time we do it, it is very, um, like we, like, I think most coaches are aware of like the potential negative reper- repercussions, especially in like, you know, moving towards safe sport. You don't want anything to be interpreted as a negative, um, as
0: interaction, a negative thing- yeah. interaction,
1: right? And yeah. I think gay coaches are even more aware of this.
0: Well, I think, I think male coaches um, especially have a, are, I, I think in general, um, we're moving into a very interesting time in sport in which people are starting to step forward and say Mm -hmm. these were my experiences and this was this is what I had happened to me even Mm -hmm. even 10 15 20 years ago um and uh unfortunately our society like it like women really do get a lot of the benefit of the doubt in this situation and so I can't imagine what it would be like not only being um a a guy working with a, a bunch of young athletes in in um in bathing suits and in in kind of like Mm -hmm. this vulnerable space, but also to feel like a a marginalized person working in that same space. It really
1: feeds into the, the whole um, idea that gay men are predators, right? Right. Which is not true at all. Right. It's just like, it's the same as a male, male straight coach. Right. Yeah.
0: Like everyone has the capacity to be like, I I don't mean to scare people in saying that, but
1: (laughs) yeah, no, exactly.
0: Kind of, possibility of that as anyone else or any other kind of group
1: yeah yeah so that's Uh, um a bit of my experience as a
0: coach so that's what you're going through right now yeah well um I the the silver lining I think in this situation is that you've uh you've found this kind of energy to say okay like this is what I'm experiencing this is my these are my difficulties and here's what I'm going to do to help work with the pro with or work, um, to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what do you think since we're developing this guide and, and you've been thinking quite a bit of, about this resource, um, what do you think, uh, I can do or a program organizer can do volunteer can do to help support LGBTQ, uh, I2S yeah. <laughs> athletes and coaches specifically in their sport or in their team?
1: Yeah. So I think the, Number one biggest thing I can say is um, try to be visible in your support. So, like, if that means, like, um, walking in a pride parade um, or, you know, having one of the stickers or um, or even having not even necessarily something that you do as a coach, but having like a guest speaker come in. Um, I know that when I was swimming, we had uh, motivational speakers come in quite frequently talking about, um, you know, just like a range of subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could even have, um, an LGBTQ speaker come in and talk about, um, how their experience in sport and how to make, how to make your team more inclusive. So, it, I get, like, really, so much for, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, like, representation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, just like, you know, when you look, watch TV, um, you want to see people who, like, look like you, act like you, talk like you, things like that. It's, like, the same as in sport right you want to see like sure I can look up to Michael Phelps he's a really great swimmer but there you know Mark Tewksbury um he he's a super great swimmer and he's gay right but I didn't know about him when I was swimming maybe that was right. like my own maybe that was my own fault but um I think it would be really great if you could have people like that come in more often you know
0: well ex- I mean exactly it's hard to be what you can't see right yeah. like it's um, yeah, so, so on top of, so on top of having representation and, and being visible in your support and, um, uh, doing all these kind of little thoughtful things to make sure that everyone in your team feels included, what else do you think programs can do?
1: Um, I guess specifically for, um, talking, cause the, the a huge part of LGBTQI2S is the T, uh, trans, trying to, make sure that you have safe spaces, like facilities, like change rooms and stuff. Like if there's a family change room available, if there's private locker rooms, if there's private showers or private change rooms inside the change rooms, those are, that's really important. I know you can't really necessarily have, you don't necessarily have power over the change rooms or like the facilities available, mm-hmm. but trying to make do with what you have is really important to make sure that everybody can participate.
0: Right. I think that's one of the. I think that's a huge problem nationally and well mm. and internationally as well. The states is definitely dealing with this issue as well and and I mean the whole world. Yeah. But uh, I think specifically for the trans community that 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 physical space mm-hmm. is um is a huge issue because obviously society is changing, yeah. um, social norms are changing, and mm-hmm. and there is progress being made in terms of uh, people feeling more accepted and included. But but the mm-hmm. Facilities that were built in the 50s 60s 70s certainly yeah. have not cut up as quickly <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah to change that physical space is is definitely a tough one um, I know All that right. even, even even little things like so the the rowing club that I grew up with in in Winnipeg we used to have these two bathrooms that were kind of close to the uh, close to our weight room facility and mm. they were very generic like Use bathrooms, uh, but for mm-hmm. some reason, one was labeled men's and one was labeled women's, literally just a toilet in each and a sink. Um, and I think yeah. maybe it was about three or four years ago, uh, someone just took those signs off and uh, just like put signs back up that said, just this bathroom is for everyone or, yeah. it's, for, or it's for anyone. And yeah. it's just like little simple things like that can be made to yeah. just like it's, it could, it's a small it message, a but difference, but it makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not saying that everything is easy as just changing the sign on a bathroom, but some things are just that
1: small yeah. and simple. 100. Um, percent. I guess so. Another thing that coaches and administrative staff or anybody in working in sport should try to do um, is make sure that the well, like I'd say for me at least in my personal experience was try to stop locker room talk. Like, is it like it's not acceptable in just because it's sexist and like it's just not okay in general yep. yep. um but it's like a huge thing that I think can definitely go a long way to make the locker room feel more open and inclusive right
0: right yeah it's um, not yeah it's not just about the physical space itself it's about the, the culture the language place. and yeah Right. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. um yeah and so, I'm curious to hear a little bit of your perspective on some of the dr- transgendered policies coming out um, from provincial organizations and national organizations. I know that some groups are really mm-hmm. making strides in in what they're doing to support their trans community. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the Manitoba Ring Association uh, a couple of years ago uh, put out a policy that stated basically, you if you're competing in a Manitoba sanctioned event, um, you will you get to compete under whichever, uh, gender you identify with so if yeah. if you say you're a man and you're going to race with the men if you say you're a woman you're going to race with the women no questions asked and I think I think especially at the club and provincial level things like that are so important mm-hmm. um because at the end of the day it's about it. it, it is about co- competition and performance and excellence but at the same time it is about participation and yeah. learning skills and building confidence and mm-hmm. and all those love, wonderful life lessons that you,
1: 100%. you learn
0: in sport. Um, but what are your thoughts on on international no. and, and larger organizations no. developing?
1: So there's a, of, I mean, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of I feel like there's a lot happening um, nationally, especially so like the the youth Sport just came out with their gender or their, their trans policy saying that gen, student athletes can compete in whatever. Um, Gender identity they want, mm-hmm. which is a huge, which is a huge um, deal and a huge step yep. forward. Um, yep. But th- the IOC is still very, very behind. Um, a lot of right, a lot of women have to go through uh, testing to make sure that they don't, um, to make sure that they're not like you know cheating, quote unquote, Right. Doing, <laughs> right um, because they may have too you know, much testosterone if they transition from male to female. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, how, I don't see, how, like, so, so, but, like, that doesn't make, to me, it doesn't make sense, because, like, some males may have higher testosterone than other males, so is that, why is that, why would that be fair?
0: Right, like, just but thinking exactly. back to Michael Phelps, I mean, yeah. is it, is it fair to compare <laughs> anyone to Michael Phelps, Yeah. right? Like, he's so, just, like, some people are just born at a yeah. considerably higher level of, yeah, natural ability and mental yeah. ability and all if you were stuff.
1: if you had two parents who were both olympic world medal like olympic medalists you hit the genetic jackpot are you like are we going to start testing for that and make sure that they're not you know we're going to start putting rules on that like that doesn't make any well, sense
0: but yeah maybe this isn't this is a topic for another podcast which mm-hmm. I'll, I'll call you about down the line but think about athletes who uh who are considered gene doped so mm. so like babies that were born, um, through yep. genetic selective testing and, yeah. and, and kind yeah. of,
1: um, yeah, exactly.
0: You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. how do you, how do you, where, where do you draw the line? Right.
1: Yeah. And then also like, we're moving into an area where, you know, people can have three or four parents, right. Not just the, like the two. Right. Right. So how are we going to, how are we going to, how are we going to deal with that when that comes up? Um, yeah I think so I, I think, think in
0: general the world of um, international competition and and high performance sport is going to look extremely different um, than it did maybe even ten years yeah. ago, yeah. especially if you consider what it what it means for a country now to host a large event. Um, yeah. less and less countries are putting in bids for the Olympics and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, less people want the cost associated and the and the yeah. responsibility with it. but I think, yeah, I think we're going to be moving into a time of some very interesting high level competition.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's like, and all that being said, someone doesn't wake up when they're 18 and say, when they're at like, you know, first year of university and say, you know what, I'm going to join my university's team. I've never competed in a sport before, but I'm going to start sports now. Right. Right. It doesn't make like some, we have to start with the community teams, right? Mm-hmm. Development, recreational. I think there's been a huge push, from what I can tell, like national and IOC. They're like people are trying to push the IOC to change their policies, but they're really resisting a lot. Um, but I feel like there's a lack of focus on provincial and recreational development clubs. Right. Which which is, which like, is interesting
0: because that's where it has the capacity to have the most impact. Right. That's sorry. Like like changing mm-hmm. at the grassroots level. Um. Changing at the grassroots level is where you're most likely to to capture the most participants. That's
1: like that's where people start. Like if I if I'm a transgender, like if I'm a child and I'm and I identify as uh, a female, but I was assigned male at birth, I wouldn't. How would I feel if I was trying to get to? how would I feel if I was trying to get into sports, but I had to play in my in a male league, but I right. identified as a female. Right. There needs to be a, like, especially at that, you know, when you're six, seven, eight.
0: Who cares? It doesn't matter. It, like, it really why, doesn't matter. Why do we
1: have a binary, like, why do we have such a binary system for that? Like, especially so young, like it makes like, does it really matter that much? Uh,
0: like, I would argue not.
1: <laughs> like we're like we're forcing people to not want to be in sports because they can't because they, like they can't participate in sports for the like, the the gender that they want to be
0: especially if you consider really small town communities that might not have a, a girls hockey program or mm-hmm. may not be able to support a certain gender in a certain sport right like i yeah. like why why stop someone from playing <laughs>
1: 100% yeah
0: um anyway we got we got <laughs> well I, I wouldn't say that's off track i would say that we it it's a very large topic and a very large yeah. issue and this, like this, this topic about how to support transgendered athletes and coaches is also another, more than an, obviously a, a podcast worth. Mm. Um, but we're going to, we're going to move on. We're going to keep pressing on. <laughs> um, I, if you could, what, what, what would you want coaches and program admin to know about your situation? Like what, what's the one thing that you think you want people to take away?
1: That, as an athlete, you're just an athlete. Like, you're like everybody else. I right. don't. I, I don't think I was personally treated differently than other athletes. But I think sometimes coaches may like if if I was out. Um, I think coaches and some other athletes may, you know, act differently about me being in the change room or things like that. So it, 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 when I'm in the change room, I'm getting ready to you know to go to practice right. or to to compete. Right. I'm not. Yep. I'm think I'm focusing on the sport and what I'm doing.
0: Task at hand, of course.
1: It's um, just like, yeah.
0: I was gonna say it's just like yeah. Every other athlete, you're, mm-hmm. you're there to do your best. You're there to get yep. better. You're there to have friends and to have yep. a community and 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 to do sports. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, as a coach, um, I guess like that we like. I don't know that I love that I love coaching just as much as anybody else would love coaching. Mm-hmm. Right. I do it because I like it and because I like working with the kids. Not I'm not like not that I'm trying to like gain from it or anything.
0: Right. Right. Um well I hope that people listening today um have like, I hope people that listen today have kind of had a, a a moment to reflect on their own programs and their own experiences in sport and 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 kind of take away and say, like, what can I do better to better support my community in, in all facets? Um, if coaches are looking for more resources uh, to help kind of give them more knowledge, help develop their programs, where can they turn to to help support their lgbtq to is athletes? Yeah, no, so... sorry, I said that wrong. No, 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 <laughs> lgbtqi 2s There
1: we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, so I guess they like, definitely are... Coast New Brunswick's resource when it's uh, when it becomes available uh, would be a good one. Um, the can- uh, Canadian Olympic Committee's One Team Initiative—they have a couple of resources that would be they're really good. They're more focused on um, like school teams and like more mm-hmm. recreational, so that would be good for um, those those sort of things. But I guess like you know the lessons are applicable to everything. Right. Um, the you can play has some resources, uh, via sport, BC has some resources, um, and cause has a, a leading the way, yeah. Um, tool. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, I think via sport, BC, one of our other lovely coaching education bodies, uh, in Canada, um, our friends out in BC, which I think we on the podcast actually earlier, uh, <laughs> earlier this year, shout out to Kate and Katie. Ooh-ooh. um, <laughs> yeah, I think they also have something and we will have the, the links to all of these resources included in the, in the podcast show notes and listed on our website. So also if coaches are, are, want like a nice handy one pager, we'll, we'll have that there for you as well. Um, otherwise David, any last, any last messages and words for the fine folks at home?
1: <laughs> um, just be good. <laughs> be you.
0: I love it. I love that. <laughs> Um, anyway, David, thanks so much for yeah. talking today. That was absolutely fantastic and completely, completely necessary, uh, a necessary conversation, um, yeah. for coaches to thanks hear. Thanks for having this, this conversation. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> anytime. Um, and I, I am serious about calling you back about, uh, about gene doping and, and, um, uh, Olympic level yeah. organizations sure. and, yeah, uh, to, competitions and to stuff. Come back. <laughs> Happy to have you back. Yeah. Um, and thanks, everyone at home, for, for tuning in and listening. Uh, this has been the Coach's Planned Podcast, Plan to Coach with Coach New Brunswick. Uh, we are in the uh, Sport Hall of Fame building today, up on the third floor in a tiny little room, trying to get as good of a soundproof uh, <laughs> podcast as I can get it. Um, and we'll see you in two weeks for our season finale. Um, after next episode, we'll be taking uh, a break for the summer, Gearing up again for our, our second season in the fall. But in the meanwhile, get to practice. Isn't that a, isn't that a great sign-off line? I, it was I love great. it. great, yeah. I love that. <laughs> it. It's really great.